I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. And today, we're talking about two of the most controversial sections of the Black internet. You may have heard about the Black Manosphere, maybe more than you wanted to, but there's a new ideology taking social media by storm. It's called Black Femininity Coaching. And on its face, it seems like small lifestyle changes. Tips on leaning into your softer traits, dressing classy or feminine, and dating with quote-unquote intention. But it doesn't stop there. Sometimes this coaching can lead into some pretty toxic territory. And it may not be as violent as the Black Manosphere, but if we don't give a critical eye to it, it may be just as damaging. After the break, we'll explain this ideology. And later in this episode, we'll be joined by Kimberly Nicole Foster, founder of For Harriet, to discuss why femininity coaching and the Black Manosphere are dangerous for all of us. You don't want to miss this. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salute to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at orderCorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, y'all. So, you know, before we get started, today's episode is going to talk about some pretty complicated and controversial topics around heterosexual dating and partnership. And, you know, it can be really easy to make fun of this stuff and walk away But people are finding deep connection with the ideas that we're going to talk about and how it aligns with their own desires for connection. But at the bottom of that rabbit hole, there's a lot that is troubling, which is why we want to dive into this today. All right. So without further ado, let's get into it. Eric. Brittany. We are doing it today. We are finally going to talk about all the shit that has taken the internet by storm. I know. And to be honest, it's a bit intimidating. I'm already uh, (laughs) pouring one out for my mentions, but you know, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So uh, we should start off with what everyone is probably the most familiar with right now, the Black Manosphere. Yes. Okay. So if you don't know, the Black Manosphere is kind of shorthand for Black men who have essentially been red-pilled or kind of come to resist or be anti any ideals of like feminism or just like progress for women's rights, I guess you would say. That's kind of where a lot of it comes from. And there's an emphasis on targeting Black women. You know, the misogynoir just kind of jumps out and they target them for ruining the dating pool. You know, single motherhood as the downfall of community. They encourage people to date outside of their race for better women, quote unquote. You know, there's also an emphasis on subservience in partnership. Like you have to submit. It's all kind of really toxic stuff. And some of the biggest and most egregious examples of this uh, as of late 
come from the Fresh and Fit podcast, which I know from our conversations, Brittany, you had not heard of before recently, but no, mm-mm. are, you know, at least vaguely familiar <laughs> now. It's hosted by Myron Gaines and Walter Weeks. And I just want to show you just this one clip from one of their episodes that shocked me. I think it's, it's safe to say uh, my jaw mm. was on the floor. Oh, I, I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I'm sorry for you that you have to hear. Bro, if you want to date a bunch of Shaniquas, go for it, man. LaQuisha. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I, me and Fresh aren't really down with the brown nah, like that. Man. We ain't night Riders. Excuse so, me? I'm good. Uh, you know, yeah. sometimes if they're, you know, Redbone, but like in general, me and Fresh uh, don't dabble in the dark, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. I have to fight my gag reflex. It's That is nasty. It's that a lot. one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. I think that's I think that's fair. I think it's 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 toxic. <laughs> There's so many stereotypes and generalizations. Like it's just horrible kind of stuff to put out there in the world about uh, you know someone who comes from a race you are a part of, <laughs> right? People who look like you. Yeah, comparing a black woman to a car from yeah. like an action show from the '80s. Have you lost your mind? I mean, this is the thing. I'm on the internet every day. Honestly, it's black men who talk like this every day. Mm-hmm. When I went to Howard, it was a lot of black men who talk like that. So I'm not necessarily shocked by the content, unfortunately. And also, a lot of black men talk like that to each other in front of black women. Mm-hmm. What's freaking me out about this is that usually they're too ashamed to really be caught out there with their name and their face behind what they're saying. And like using it as like a form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. That's so freaky. That's like... Wow, and there, and I'll, I'll be honest. I hadn't heard of Fresh and Fit until there was this recent dust up with this um, influencer woman named Brittany Renner. Yeah, I had never heard of any of these people until like a, a few weeks ago. And I, sadly, I've, that I've also was heard of Brittany Renner. Nothing but the grace of God. That was nothing but the grace of God. But it freaks me out just like how popular these people have become from from talking and acting like this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I wasn't aware of them. I did know about. Kevin Samuels. And uh, Kevin Samuels is like this popular internet dating and relationship expert. He's quite a bit more aged than the men of the Fresh and Fit yeah. podcast. So it's like, it's even worse. Cause I look at him like, you need to be like videotaping somebody's dance recital. Like you need to be at your grandchildren's birthday parties. You are too fucking old to be acting like this, but he's really resonated with people he our age. He has. recently <laughs> appeared on a Instagram live with Nicki Minaj, Mm -hmm. which, you know, and he was in a future video really recently. He was in a future video, kind of like fresh and fit made his, his bread and butter on telling black women where they fall short. But specifically his whole thing is he's like parroting this idea of the quote unquote high value man or woman. Usually he only talks about high value men as opposed to high value women, but just telling black women what they need to do and what they need to change so they can get a high value man. It's, is it's wild. It is. And I'm so glad you brought up high value men and women. Like, you know, and for us, all this is very heterocentric, you know, like yeah. I don't think Kevin Samuels is, is uh, exploring queer identity as a part of his uh, toxicity. But, uh, you know, he thinks that basically high value um, these are people who have all the, you know, right things. Uh, the high value man has uh, money, power, respect, um, dominance in the relationship. Like he's someone people want to be around, you know? It's kind of his way of describing what uh, is more common in kind of 
red pill circles, uh, which is alpha yeah. males, you know? So like the idea of an alpha mm-hmm. male, somebody who is strong and dominant and people flock to and can lead a quote unquote pack. In contrast to that, these high value men are trying to find a high value woman. Now, Kevin Samuels doesn't think there are many of these, but high va- a high value woman is someone who is most likely like childless, um, submissive to a large degree, mm. makes her Shocking. own money or has her own money somehow but less than what a man has to respect Mm. his place in the home. You know, they're preferably young, have not been very promiscuous or or quote unquote, Mm. you know, out there living a life, no body count. Typically and (laughs) often they are not black uh, because black women are, you know, bound by the destruction of our uh, race and they have fallen victim to it and kind of been led astray. But the crazy thing about all of that is, according to you, Brittany, this type of ideology doesn't just stop with men. And there's more. There is more. There is more. I want to introduce you to the world of Black femininity coaching. It really feels like a natural flip side to this really chaotic coin. Okay, so like while your algorithm is feeding you male-centered dating content, I've been getting femininity training. It has many names online. Divine Feminine is a big one. Femininity training and Black femininity, those are all common hashtags. Essentially, the idea is that the only way to get a man, if a Black man is what you seek, is to be soft. Uh, Basically, that means like speaking softly and dressing classy. Dating up, quote unquote, dating Mm -hmm. up. um, Basically, avoiding what is called struggle love uh, with black men. And always, always, always keeping your masculine energy in check. This feels, yeah, how you describe it is is, feels similar. I hear the flip (laughs) side of the coin to that. But like the thing that feels interesting to me is like the, the, I guess like the masculine and the feminine piece of this is a little confusing. Like, okay, so it feels like what you're saying is that there are black women saying that mm-hmm. black women have an inherent masculinity to them that needs to be reined in because of, to get partnership. Is that close? <laughs> In a sense, that's 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 about right. I mean, obviously, to frame this up, there's a big sense of gender essentialism with clearly. these people. Like the idea, <laughs> yes, clearly, the idea that men are one way, which is masculine, and women are or should be another way, which is feminine. Um, and if you're outside of that, then it, it curbs your chance at love or, you know, for people taking you seriously as a woman, which is wild because it's like basically foisting the ideals of white femininity upon black women. So it's like, there's like a white supremacist element to that, but then there's also like the gender essentialist element too. And like, like the idea that we need to have some, you know, we need to have such things as masculine or feminine anyway, there's a lot going on, but uh, I have a few videos to show you that really encompass what these femininity coaches are encouraging in black women. So I found this video through a black YouTuber named Amanda Mariana, who was pushing back against this trend. Mm -hmm. But I want to show you the video that she's pushing back on. This video is called Masculine Habits to End. (laughs) Avoid this masculine behavior. And it's by a creator named Ebony Nikita OKK. Sometimes it just happens. And that would be speaking aggressively. This is something that is not feminine at all. You do not want to have that demeanor about you. That is something that can really interrupt you growing within your femininity. 
Uh, they're so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just weird because, like, you know, you, I yeah, I've spent a lot, actually, a pretty significant amount of time trying to figure out how to like rebel against the idea of, uh, you know, just like or, or internalizing the idea that we should really be pushing back against a framing of of black women in particular as aggressive because of how the mm-hmm. whole world does that. Uh, whole world <laughs> to yeah. you know to pretty horrible effect. And it's kind of, it, yeah, it's just, it's kind of bizarre to hear her kind of frame that. And the other thing I think that's interesting about it is like, so much of that is not about how the person feels. It's about what they need to project. And like, damn, I don't know. That's just heavy. Yeah. It's all about like, I guess, trying to control how other people perceive you, which like black women deal with enough of that, <laughs> with enough of that yeah. as it is. Another thing that makes me kind of sad is like this girl's so young. Yeah. It's pretty obvious from watching the video. Like, you know, she's she's at least a decade younger than we are. And she's kind of espousing these ideas that you would normally think would come from somebody who's like maybe older from sure. a different yeah. generation, maybe even not black, you know, but it's coming from this young black woman. I mean, that is an example of a very straightforward black femininity coaching video. Like she's wearing um, a stereotypical idea of what's considered feminine. She's wearing pink, soft colors. She's covered up. She's a very cute girl, but you know, she's also encouraging black women to tone down their aggression. And because that's a quote unquote masculine trait. Yeah. But later on in the video, mm. you know, she's telling black women, you know, not to pursue men because that's a dominant or masculine trait. She's telling us not to prioritize our careers over our relationships to family oh. or husband or so on. There's an emphasis here on trying to buck stereotypes about the aggressive or hyper independent black woman, but it's really putting the onus of these stereotypes. Mm on black women when it's actually like a systemic issue. Like you said, this is the way the world (laughs) sees us. But then on the other end of the spectrum, right? Same goal, same goal is to get a man, right? To take care of you. On the other end of this, you know, femininity coaching spectrum are the hypergamists. And uh, you got to tell me what the hell that is. That's a big word. I don't know. (laughs) I will say watching these videos... Watching these videos actually made me find out what a hypergamist was because I did not know. And then once I found out, I was like, oh, this is what y'all talk about all day on Twitter. Okay, (laughs) so a hypergamist is a person whose main goal is marrying up and Mm -hmm. into wealth. And from like a purely statistical standpoint, this typically means, I mean, and not this is not coming from me, this is coming from the videos, divesting from black men. Mm. And the way that these videos speak about black men- Like South Africa? Like how we divested from. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's like, I mean, basically. I follow. I mean, basically what they're saying is like, you just shouldn't date black men. It's like, if you want to be a hypergamist, if you want to marry up and into wealth, basically they're trying to say black men don't have that wealth. Again, this is like a wealth gap issue. So you need to date men of other races if you want to quote unquote marry up, if that's your highest like goal. Okay. So that's what they mean by divesting. But the way these videos speak about black men and specifically the need for black women to date outside their race, it falls into some very pathological territory. Like these folks are often lumped in with black femininity coaching because they tend to have some overlap with some of like the black girl luxury Mm -hmm. things. Like you've seen some of the black girl luxury stuff. Some of it is cute. You know what I mean? Like cute little, like, this is my 
$50 candle and I'm going to go out to have wine with my girls. And some of it's cute. But, you know, again, if you keep following those breadcrumbs, it also starts to get into this territory of, oh, Black girl luxury aesthetic and you need to dress or look this way, which usually means very polished and almost like a rich white lady, um, and go into this bar and do this thing to attract a certain man. But I want to show you this video. It's called The False Promise of Black Love by a creator named Mahogany Pink on YouTube. And this video, it's a really good example of how these types of femininity coaches or femininity coaching sort of messaging use statistics to encourage Black women to divest from Black men. But numbers don't lie. You already outnumber Black men, and for a bunch of reasons, more than half of them will never marry anyone. Okay. Of those that remain, almost a quarter of them will marry women who are not Black. Of hmm. the men left, 73% cannot financially support a household alone, and you will have to work. Hmm. And due to the high rates of infidelity, domestic violence, and financial instability, 42% oh, of these marriages will ultimately fail. Do you yeah, feel stressed? I do. I, I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't the best at statistics i'm not the best at math right now but by I that it, it seems I like get that far in math there are only like maybe like four available black men who make a significant amount of money that could partner uh or and wouldn't like beat the woman a black woman uh it, yeah this that mm-hmm. was bizarre i don't even know that does the yeah. math work like that <laughs> what is I, happening i mean look i'll say this i admittedly i say admittedly like i don't bring it up every week i've been in a relationship <laughs> for seven years and I met my fiance when I was like 27, but I still remember even at my young age back then feeling this stress sometimes. Mm. I was internalizing external messaging about like, there's no black men left. Do you want to die broken alone? And this video kind of like, I don't, to me, it feels like it's kind of preying upon some of those fears and then using these statistics to make the fears feel real. And and I, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I could see how like watching a video like that might make you look at a video like the last one that we watched. Right. And be like, well, shit, (laughs) if we're running out of black men or if I need to, or, or if my inherent masculinity, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or my, you know, unattractiveness or whatever as a black woman is not going to help me get a black man and I need to date outside my race, what do I need to do? You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of stress and it's a lot of very conflicting bad messaging. The the reason why I even actually saw this video in the first place, funnily enough, Mm -hmm. is because a friend sent me a video from this same creator that was actually about how toxic black male dating coaches are. So that was like a video that I was like, oh, this is something that I would watch on YouTube. You know, this is a video essay I'd watch on YouTube. And then if you just look at the other videos, you see something like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm a pretty savvy person, but then to like get eventually to this content was like, it's right there. It's yeah. it's really easy to find. It's kind of weird. It's interesting you that just to talk, you talk about the stress a little bit. And it actually reminds me of something we used to talk about a, like just a while back before the show or any of that stuff. But like even OkCupid mm-hmm. would do these like surveys and stuff and uh, mm-hmm. these kind of like statistical surveys about their users. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the first year I think they did it, it was like, you know, they said that black women are at the bottom of the list in terms of people's interest in uh mm-hmm. in finding a partner and behind them was like asian men but like that that level was low it just it was like basically almost they were saying trying to say like no one wanted them and that was the subtext and then 
every year kind of following that, the data said the same thing. And I remember at one point you were like, they just got to stop sending me this yeah. shit. Yeah. You know, it, it, it can stress you out. Yeah. Like, how's it supposed to make you feel in a space like that when even they're telling you, hey, you can come here, but I don't know if anybody's going to want you. Yeah, it is stressful. I mean, and I... I did find my fiance in OkCupid, but like I, that was one of the main apps I was using at that time. It yeah. was stressful to think that like I'm on here basically shooting into the dark because nobody wants me. That's a terrible feeling yeah. to have. And it's something that's out there a lot, you know? So I understand a little bit of that appeal, but like as like I've noticed even a little bit growing at a pretty spectacular rate just in terms of like seeing content popping up. Like, mm-hmm. Is it just that, the urgency? Like, what makes this so appealing to Black women? Because some of this stuff is very harmful to Black yeah. men, too. But or but it's, it seems especially harmful for Black women. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of it is like, right, I'm, I'm already partnered and I'm a little older maybe than yeah. somebody who might be more vulnerable to these messages. But, I mean, when I look on TikTok and I get a lot of Black femininity content there— I see women who are about my age talking about the same things, women with husbands and kids talking about, you know, some of the same things. So I know that the messaging is getting out there to people my age. At the end of the day, I just consider like what the goal, the end goal of all this content is to find somebody, right? And obviously there's a lot of talk about like scarcity Mm -hmm. and supply and money and wealth. So there's like a lot of talk about money in there and financial security, maybe, I don't know, but- I think that what that sometimes feels like a proxy for or a stand-in for is love. Like Mm, people want to have what they might see as the trappings of love, which tend to cost money, Mm -hmm. the trappings. And I think that that's what they're looking for is they want that, they want that security, whether it's financial or emotional, they want that tangible thing, somebody buying them a house or a dog or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Diamonds. Um, They want, to have that proof that somebody loves them. They want, and what what's beneath that, I think is wanting to have a partner of some kind. But it just seems like a really convoluted and painful roundabout way to go about getting something that is tricky to find, yeah. regardless of how you're looking, but very simple at its essence. Yeah, Loving somebody and having them love you back is pretty simple. It feels relatively safe to say that, especially when you go down the rabbit hole and both of these ideas, they're, you know, both groups are, are actually pretty toxic in how they are pursuing that love and, and how to love someone. If that, even though I didn't hear that come up once. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I don't mm-hmm. on the manosphere side as well. And it just no. feels like <laughs> the people who are seeing this content, you know, and getting kind of read don't also see how maybe like we are going further and further down this hole to like worse and worse discussions around like finding romance and partnership. Yeah. I have somebody, but this really stresses me out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it stresses me out too. I mean, part of what makes me so concerned about it is just how hard this stuff can be to identify when you're just scrolling through social media. It's like, you know, you follow a couple of breadcrumbs and then you're down a rabbit hole. (laughs) Obviously someone like Kevin Samuels and Fresh and Fit, they're more obvious and they, they definitely need to be dealt with, but the black femininity stuff can be a lot more insidious and it's growing a pretty strong contingent online. So Eric, you and I, we are a little bit newer Mm -hmm. to some of this content, but I know just the person to help us parse the divine feminine manosphere sort of clusterfuck that's online. (laughs) You and I are going to talk to the YouTube legend, the four Harriet queen, 
Kimberly Nicole Foster. She's going to be joining our conversation about this right after the break. I mean, you can't wait, but I I can't wait, actually. (laughs) eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Not everything in life is flexible, but at Capella University, your education can be. With our game-changing FlexPath learning format, you're empowered to fit education into your life without putting other priorities on hold. FlexPath lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them when needed. You can take courses at your own speed and move on to the next one when you're ready. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Kimberly, we are so happy to have you here. Yes. Welcome. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of new to this whole world. Okay. Uh, and I learned about it mostly from Brittany. Uh, and even that. And our producer, Alexis. And our also. producer, Alexis. We, Got a shout out, We've Alexis. been coaching you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but to start out, let's just try this again. You know, for someone who is maybe completely new to all of this, like, what is the Divine Feminine movement and do you see it as extensions of like femininity coaching apparatus that has built up? I always hesitate to try to reduce these things down to like one or two things because there's so many variations of it. Mm -hmm. But basically what they all have in common is there's this idea that Black women, because of history and our contemporary experiences that we have been separated from our natural Mm. femininity, that we do not have the ability to rest in our femininity, to express it because Mm. the world has masculinized us. And so the counter to that is to lean hard Mm -hmm. into it, to learn how to do it, to get in touch with our divine feminine, to not work hard, to find partners who make a lot of money Mm -hmm. so we don't have to overexert ourselves. Like that is it. It's be soft, be pretty, be demure. Don't talk too loud. Don't be offensive. Be a girly girl. Okay. Okay. Nailed it. So. Nailed it. That was really clear. I just want to say thank you. And I guess a question that I have based off of that, if this idea is that like you're returning to something that used to exist. Now, my, and maybe I'm wrong, but like my understanding of kind of world and global history is that like 
women have been pretty subjugated and like uh, oppressed as like a, a group and category the entirety of human existence. And so I guess mm-hmm. like what I'm trying to understand is it did people like is the idea that people perf- or women preferred it that way? Yeah, the idea is that despite <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, so we know that patriarchy yes. is old, like patriarchy predates like systemic yeah. white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And the idea is yes, white women did suffer under patriarchy and had many movements <laughs> to release themselves mm-hmm. from the holds of patriarchy, but they didn't know how good they had it. Oh. That, that is the idea. The idea oh. is we as black women look at white women who are trying to loose themselves from the chains of patriarchy and say, what are y'all complaining about? Now, obviously, I'm not in this, right? But this is the, this is the ideology. Gotcha, <laughs> yeah. And so the desire for the divine femininity women is, no, y'all are trying to get off the pedestal. We want to be on the pedestal. Mm. We were talking a bit about the scenario that this pops up from. And so like what I was saying is it feels like the divine femininity is a response to like what I hear on the manosphere side, mind you, also when I'm not content that I am seeking out, but I'm just saying in terms of what I've also come across in my timeline, it seems a lot of it seems to come from this like idea that like women have changed and, you know, become more transactional in nature and that men need to change as a result or just be more clear about those changes. And I guess like, I'm curious, like for you, is that actually the problem that this is trying to solve or is there like a more specific one? Okay, so I believe that it is true that women have changed, but Mm. women have changed because society has changed. Mm. The issue that I always have with both sides of this, the the masculine side of it and the femininity side of it is we're not paying enough attention to how structures inform how we navigate the world Mm -hmm. and navigate our interpersonal relationships. So yes, women now have uh, more access to resources. We have more options. The way that we move in relationships and um, in our romantic relationships with men Mm -hmm. has shifted, right? Like desire, you know, um, which I'm sure many but, women are happy that it shifted, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. And so, like, a lot of the the masculinity side, the manosphere side, is a lot of resentment about women saying, you're going to have to bring some different stuff. I'm different, so you're going to have to bring different stuff. But mm-hmm. marriage has always been about... Traditional heterosexual marriage has always been about trying to find a male partner if you're a woman who's going to be able to take care of you. Like, this is the thing that I'm Mm. always confused by is Mm. we've always been asking, what does the male bring to the table Mm -hmm. for better or for worse? Like, like, I do think it's unfortunate that black folks, despite our history, despite all of we've been through, despite so many of us understanding the structural obstacles to being able to competently perform normative gender roles, mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. still have very traditional expectations in marriage. That is not new. <laughs> like, it's my, not new. like my grandma was looking for the same thing. My mom was looking for the same thing. I am looking for somebody who has stuff. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I am partnered. I am partnered, but I always knew when I was looking for my partner, like 
You got to bring something to the table. It's just mm. like the, it's the reaction mm-hmm. that's different. Hmm. What's surprising people, mm. I guess I'm wondering, like what's surprising these men, if this has always been the case, what is so surprising to them? I think it is the fact that Black women in particular are so good at social media and so good at YouTube and so good at sharing these messages and talking to each other and like making our voices heard. Like they're very prominent. I think the fact that there Mm. are so many Black women who have platforms to say, okay, this is what I need. This is what I desire. This is what I deserve. If you don't have this, you know, you got to have a J-O-B if you want to get with me. I do think that that uh, foments resentment. Mm. And I will also say that like, the women who are deeply invested in hypergamy, which is the the pursuit of a partner that has more money than you, that's going to be able to afford you a quote unquote luxury lifestyle. Mm. The way that they've been able to grow platforms off of that. I mean, they're growing huge platforms, so many communities like it is becoming more prominent. And so I think that the Manosphere side of it is seeing the way that those women are able to grow those platforms, seeing the way that that kind of conversation about, okay, hypergamy and no struggle love and, you know, and so that makes them, you know, the resentment and the frustration and maybe even like that insecurity turns into anger. And then the men on the Manosphere side project that anger onto all Black women because they're maybe not necessarily able to fulfill those roles. Hmm. I guess I'm curious about like what you see as a natural endpoint for something like this. I, I guess like less about the result that people are driving towards, but more so it does seem like the the divine feminine movement is growing. And it's growing in this like pretty, uh, feels like maybe exponential way. And I guess I'm curious, like, what you think continual mass adoption of these this type of thinking actually results for Black women? I think more and more women are opting out of the traditional gendered partnership thing. I think that people are saying, okay, well, these are my desires. If I can't have this, then I don't even want to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I do think that there is more conversation about money stuff, Mm -hmm. the overt transaction of, okay, in order to see me, in order to date me, you have to buy me this or take me here or do that. Like, I actually do see that. But I think that we have to be, like, honest about the fact, especially if we're talking about Black people. People don't like when I say that. (laughs) But Black people don't have money like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's we just don't. There's a, there's a racial wealth gap. That's not. That's actually yes, not that controversial. The statistics yeah. are out there. <laughs> okay. The data is clear. It's not controversial. The data is clear, but people don't like to hear about the reality of if you are desiring partnership with another black person. Like we just don't have it. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that there is a disconnect between the way that we talk about money and the transactional nature of relationships and you got to take me there and do this and Mm -hmm. who are you going to get that from i do i do think about that a lot like and also as a person in a relationship like that is not the most important you know you got to make sure they're healthy and whole and happy and got to treat you well Mm -hmm. yeah i get concerned about that that's something even before i had started to notice like sort of the emergence of these this whole femininity coaching trend that was something i saw a lot of on 
Twitter from a variety of sources, I would say as as early as like 2018, 2019, but a lot of women being like, if he can't pay all my bills and his, then what's the point of even going out? And I'm like, it's like, and they'll live somewhere like, I don't know, like suburban Texas and maybe I don't know. There's oil down there. Tech is starting to get exciting down there. But for the most part, like these are women who sort of want to seem as if they live or they live like a luxurious lifestyle. And they're like, well, if I can take care of myself, he should be able to take care of both of us. And I'm like, I don't like mathematically, let's break this down for a second because I just am like, who are you going out with then? Who are you going, who, especially given the past two years, who are you going out with? Yeah. And I want to say this is as nicely as possible. This is where I do get frustrated because it's like, you ain't got a lie to kick it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, like yes. in an ideal world, fine. Uh, and every woman who wants it is finding a six figure earner to pay all of her bills and take her on luxurious vacations. And mm-hmm. the Woman never has to pay for anything, never has to go into into her purse or her pockets for anything. That's just not reality. It's just not reality. And it's like, we have the data. Like, people are lying. Like, you're just lying. (laughs) And so there is a difference between what your desires are, what you want, what you aspire to, and what is actually happening in your life. Mm. And we know, based on the data, people are lying. And so when we have this culture of people lying about what they have, what people are doing for them, where they're going, the trips that they're going on, it does also create a culture of shame for people who don't have that. And it's like, girl, Mm. don't be ashamed. They lying. They lying. (laughs) So much of this conversation about luxury and aesthetics and hypergamy is a response Mm -hmm. to so many Black women, particularly in the United States where I reside, seeing their mothers and grandmothers and family members struggle Mm -hmm. and take on too much, be overburdened, be uncared for, be neglected. And so they have internalized that The way to ensure that you never have to live the life of a quote-unquote mule, that's a term that comes up a lot Mm. on that side of the internet, is to always put yourself first, never think about the community, never think about the collective, leave them behind. I don't think that that is sustainable. Mm. I get it. Mm. I understand. I'm a Black woman. I understand the context. I Mm -hmm. understand that trauma. There are so many choices that I've made in my life that are uh, in direct response to to choices that I've seen my mom make. And I don't want to make those same mistakes or my grandmother's. I so understand that. It's just, Mm -hmm. I deeply believe that community and connection and relationship are important. And I am deeply committed to be as ethical as I possibly can, to do as little harm as I possibly can, not just for my own benefit, because it makes me feel good, but but because I realized that because we're all so connected in this world, like you think that you are doing things and they are ethically dubious and it's never going to come back to you. And that's just not the way life works. Mm. You're such an interesting point about what is enticing about, you know, some of this line of thinking, because you got to be really motivated, right? To sign up to try to be feminine all the time and please a man. <laughs> 
I <laughs> I could never fully get myself up and started on that journey. But I want to know uh, from your view, what types of women or what kind of women might be most vulnerable to this kind of messaging surrounding divine femininity, femininity coaching, hypergamy? First of all, man, you are so right about that commitment. That's one thing I, I do appreciate. It's a, you have locked. It's a job. You have locked in. Okay. You are mm. not letting up. Okay. So shout out to you for that discipline. But I think that people who are experiencing or, or are concerned about financial precarity mm. are most susceptible to internalizing this messaging. If you are worried about securing your future, then you are going to make every single decision based on how can I get some stability? How can I get some security? I don't want to struggle. The thing is like, that's most black women. Mm. <laughs> okay. Right. Like, like most of Ooh. us, again, don't have it like that. Even if you mm-hmm. now make a good salary, even if you now have a little bit of money one bad thing happens, you're wiped yeah. out. There was something I maybe expected to be a component of it that didn't pop up. Something that's interesting because it feels like a, de- a definitive component of what leads men to the manosphere is actually like grievance. I, it's interesting that you posit the fear of financial instability, which feels very real, you know, obviously, like we said, for for many Black women that would kind of lead toward this type of lifestyle. But I guess what's also interesting is like how, like there feels like grievance is a part of it. Like almost like I have been, I'm so frustrated by the dating experience that like that plus Mm. my financial insecurity makes me need to take a different track. And I guess I I, do see that as well. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for bringing this up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Because that is a, big part of it. One of the reasons why I am a feminist is because I believe that Black women deserve care and respect and love. One area where I absolutely understand where these women are coming from is them saying really plainly, we have been wronged by this demographic. We have been wronged by Black men. They have used us. They have abused us. They have exploited us. They have gotten Everything that they can get from us, our love, our attention, our care, they have not been as committed to us as we are to them. The relationship is not reciprocal. I I, I believe that too. It's yeah. just that we yeah. have decided to approach the, the situation from different ways. But yeah, it's grievance, anger, frustration, sadness. Yeah. And it, it's just interesting because like looking at the opposite end of the spectrum, looking at kind of the manosphere and like how that content is rising, even just from my understanding of how people get to it, that grievance is something that starts early. And there are so many, you know, there are so many men uh, out there to, you know, to pivot a little bit who, you know, do feel like there's almost like that black women or just women in general are legit out there having meetings where they decide, all right, this tier of person, this tier of man is inbound. He will get, you know, like a good partner <laughs> and just sex. And then there are people who are not. And, you know, like this large group and they just decided like, oh, we're just going to ignore these like, like broke, 
nice guys who are trying. A lot of times that's kind of the, the landscape how they think of where they are. For some folks, I've heard that start at like teenage years. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, yeah. that's starting yeah. early. We're receiving that type of message. It, it feels strangely like the divine feminine like movement is almost ignoring the manosphere side that is doing a similar kind of a similar thing for similar reasons, if that makes any sense. It just is, it's interesting how identical the motivations and in some cases the takeaways are mm-hmm. for like people in theory communicating about the exact same problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I I absolutely agree with you. And I've said very similar things. Ideologically, both sides of this are very similar and their solutions are very similar. It's just who are they blaming? They're blaming each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think that like in order for us to really be freed from this and really be liberated, we have to do away with all of the normative gender stuff and the really um, strict ideals around masculinity and and femininity and patriarchy and who leads and who needs what. Like, because mm. it's a uh, what is it on Ouroboros, right? Mm. Like it's like a, yeah, the snake yeah, eating yeah. its tail thing. It's it's very very circular. I find it so interesting that they share the same ideology, and yet they don't want to connect with each other. This is the conundrum that you get in when you start blaming individuals Mm. or certain demographics for systemic issues. So Mm. they just don't, they don't like each other, right? Like it's, it's easy to, to demonize black women, angry, loud gold diggers. It's easy to demonize, even though I, I have a problem with patriarchy, I also understand that Black men are uh, systemically disenfranchised in many ways. And there are things that I can say, oh, can you do a little bit better on this, but also acknowledge all of the systemic stuff. All of this is very individualistic. It's very, y'all need to pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. Y'all don't Mm -hmm. act right. Like, it's that. It's like, hey, until y'all can, you know, we got to be listening to some scholars. And I also want to know, right? So one thing that happens on both sides, sorry, (laughs) just thinking about this. One thing that happens on both sides is the fetishization of data. I don't know if you've like heard this, but like on both sides, there's a lot, lot of people throwing out data, throwing out statistics to prove their point. This, this, and Black men do that, and Black women, and 40%, and 70%, mm-hmm. out of wedlock, all of that. Your timing. There is, <laughs> there is... Yeah, literally, the timing is amazing. Go ahead. <laughs> There's not a lot of good analysis. There's not an understanding that data means nothing if you do not have the ability to contextualize that data, if you don't have the ability to put it in its proper place. And so it's really concerning when we have people on on both sides of this throwing out 70% of Black men incarcerated, 70% of Black children out of wedlock and just throwing it out like, oh, like like the big joker or whatever. When it's like, when you really listen to the social scientists, when you really listen to the anthropologists, the people who are putting this together, they're saying the conclusions that y'all are drawing, they're not right, right? Like, like you really have to take a macro look at this. And when you take a micro look at it, that is what is causing y'all to blame each other. It don't make sense. 
I think you're exactly right. I think these are kind of systemic, more systemic problems that are bigger that generally relate to how heterosexual men, because I mean, let's be honest, we're not talking about queer folks mostly in this conversation, but um, but how heterosexual men relate to heterosexual women at any given point in like society. But so much of the actual change, I feel like, does occur in a soft, softer work that is harder to affect at scale. But I guess I wonder like how we actually can work on a more individual level to actually begin to affect that, you know? How do we actually evolve this? This is difficult for me because of how appealing and compelling the more radicalized, like the messages on the far ends of the spectrum are. If we say that um, the way that people are being radicalized into the manosphere is in any way similar to the ways that people are radicalized in in other kind of movements or like little niches across mm-hmm. the internet, the solution is not going to be like drown it out with positivity. The solution is not mm. be nicer to the the black male misogynist in your life. <laughs> A lot of times. <laughs> the the solution <laughs> is going to be about, OK, so we got to cut off the platform. I mean, we have to cut off the pipeline. We have to mm. like a lot of people are being radicalized on accident. Mm. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people are just stumbling upon this and going deeper and deeper and deeper. And because these big platforms are so um, hospitable because they actually incentivize the virality of this content, like more and more people are being pulled in. So I am actually somebody who, I know people don't like it, but I am actually somebody that does advocate deplatforming. We have lots of data that shows that it works, lots of hmm. data that cutting, cutting the cord, letting people know, like, if you say this, if you do this, like, you're not going to be able to be on here anymore that that decreases the number of people who are able to get a hold of these ideas and stops the spread of them. That is what I believe. I don't think it's going to be interpersonal. Mm. I'm glad you brought up the more radical edges of the manosphere. I don't know. Something I've been thinking about a lot is like even the worst of these sort of divine femininity videos, right? The consequences of them, even if like sometimes watching them can feel icky or they say things that I strongly disagree with or that I find uh, to be really reprehensible, it feels like the reverberation or like the ripple effect of the most egregious parts of the manosphere is so much more harmful. I was watching one of your videos and you said something that was really interesting. You're the first person I've ever heard put it this way. But you were saying that like a lot of these like really toxic mass videos like the Fresh and Fits and these sorts of people, you're saying that like basically what they're saying is hate speech against Black women. And it's so interesting because I'm so used to hearing it in passing, on dates, seeing it on the internet, um, hearing it from maybe extended family members or in church or at work. I mean, it could be any number of things, like comments about obviously looks and all that sort of stuff, comments about not having any value without a husband. If I want to keep my last name, I should just stay with my daddy since I like him so much. That one came from somebody that I know personally. It's everywhere. And it's so interesting, the fact that you you talked about basically how Black men are getting platformed off of this hate speech, but I had never heard it called such. To me, 
Like it does seem more dangerous than sort of like the pendulum in the opposite direction where even the most harsh femininity coaching, hypergamist, anti-black men <laughs> messaging. It just doesn't seem as, I don't know. I'm like, am I, am I wrong <laughs> for I, feeling like it's worse? You know, I might be biased here. I might be, but Me too. I do not think that it's equivalent <laughs> I don't even want to pretend like I believe that the divine femininity people and the femininity coaching people are anywhere near as dangerous as the manosphere people, the men going their own way people, the save yourself black men. I I don't. I think that because of the rate of interpersonal violence, the 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 amount of violence and sexual assault and and rape that happens to Black women because it's so astronomically Mm -hmm. high, because of the uneven power dynamics in Black communities where Black men are prioritized and they're allowed to be, frankly, violent and abusive with very little reprisal, very little consequences, I do think that it is absolutely more dangerous for the fresh and fit side, the Kevin Samuel stuff to be mainstreamed in the way that it is. And also because the conversation we really need to be having is about how it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status, it doesn't matter what education level, that all kinds of Black men are coming to this language. All kinds of Black men Hmm. from every corner of Black communities is coming to this language, adopting this language, mainstreaming these ideas. I just recently met a Black man with a law degree. He doesn't practice law, but he has a JD. And he was talking about how Black women need to be able to hold themselves accountable. That that the problem in Black communities right now, the reason why Black women are unmarried is because we refuse to hold ourselves accountable, we refuse to discipline our bodies, meaning we, we refuse to lose weight. Wait, wait, hold on. What, what am I accountable yeah, to? I was what? For what? what do we do? <laughs> accountable for our okay, yes. So so this is this is manosphere code, right? Accountability means that the reason why our communities are crumbling and the reason why we're unable to forge strong romantic relationships is we refuse to be disciplined. We refuse to take direction. We refuse to lose weight. That's the co- collective? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, all of us. Like, that, that is the Black women accountability language that we don't know how to be led. That we're so oh strong gosh. and masculine that we're going to cut a man off at his knees. The thing that's interesting, I think, is weird about this is like, I, for its worth, I agree that I think the manosphere side is more uh, virulent and, to be honest, just like more dangerous um, for the reasons you laid out. But also, I would just say because of the kind of unending support of like culture and media. I I can't tell you how many movies I've watched where there's been a male characters have to like wear down a woman who did not want him. And, and, you know, that's just the beginning of that, all the tropes that could fit underneath the things that contribute to this type of thinking. And you still have all that stuff that's like still majority in in most of our like media that we consume every day. But it's funny you say that because if you watch their videos, they say we live in a gynocentric society. They say that our media and our culture 
loves women in general and black women in particular for political reasons that they lift us up that they say we can do more wrong that is their argument that's what they say yeah yes. i mean well, there yes. is- do they have do we all use the same internet <laughs> are we using do we have the same internet access because i that is wild yeah. this was something i was telling Brittany. i would consume stuff like this and not even realize that that was what i was like watching or reading. In college, everybody used to pass around, and this isn't a black manosphere thing, but like uh, everybody used to pass around like Tucker Max articles. I don't know if you remember that guy. Oh my God. Yeah, it's a throwback. I had those read to me on dates. I had them read and to like, me. Yeah. On da- like as a precursor yeah. to sex on what and, planet? What and so, you know, you have like, again, the idea of playing off of potential grievance. Like you're going to college, you know, how are men messaged to think college, what college is going to be like? You know, for us, like we've seen, you know, you've, if you've seen the movies, you think it's going to be a kind of never ending frat party. You have like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like very just quote unquote loose women, open, positive sexual environment. And so you come and like, if it's not that, you're like, well, what the fuck is going on? But then you read this like, you know, corny white guy who is rude to every woman he's ever met. And like a party is like, oh, well, this guy is just accessing it. And then that makes you even more mad, potentially, at why you're not getting it and then kind of leads you down this path. But isn't this also about socialization, though? The way that Hmm. the different genders are socialized to deal with rejection. Mm -hmm. Because as a (sighs) Black girl who grew up around mostly white people and I was thick when thick was just fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, I experienced a lot of rejection in adolescence and in my teenage years. And I internalized that mm-hmm. as I'm ugly, I'm fat, I'm not good mm-hmm. enough, I'm mm-hmm. awkward, I'm weird, nobody's ever going to love me. I never once, as a 15 year old, was like, I deserve, I deserve this man. Like, why is he not looking at? Like, I never felt that. I felt like, oh, fuck, like, this, like, I got to change. I got to do, so I have to do mm-hmm. more. I have to change. I have to get skinny. I have to do that. And it seems like so many men are externalizing that, right? Like, it's like, these women, there, and they need that, and they need to do this. And it's like, well, sorry, like, you you are not entitled to, to get the person you want. Well, that's where the grievance comes mm-hmm. in, because I think we are socialized to think that we could get that. Like, that we could get, like, that we potentially get and deserve that. Like, the potential yeah. for... What it means to be a man is like strangely valued towards making you think that like whatever you want, you should have a pretty strong chance at getting. Um, and yes. so as you start to like, run, I think, into the boundaries of that, it can be super ignorant of like how that hierarchy affects everyone. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, specifically how it affects black women and like the relationship to that. And so that grievance, that idea that we are eventually supposed to get what we want and depending upon what point you feel like your line in the sand pops up for that, like can really lead you in some really like, yeah, in some wild directions. But is it really hard though? Like broke men, I'm sorry, broke black men get partners like okay this is why i don't want to i'm trying not to like negate people's experiences like okay if if there's a huge number of black men who say i was nerdy i don't have money i no girls would look my way i couldn't get dates like i want to be sensitive to that it just does not 
line up with what I have experienced and what I have Mm -mm. seen. I don't know. The idea that you have to make six figures in order to get a partner does not line up for me when I know so many men who are driving their girlfriend's cars. It does not make sense to me, but I want to be sensitive. I'm just not, I'm not (laughs) seeing it. I think a lot of that also though comes back to that you talk about like the way a lot of men are socialized to thinking that like, not only like to thinking that they deserve a certain type, like not just any, like a, a woman, but also a certain type of woman and the anger that can come with not getting that. Um, and Kimberly, you talked about like women, and I grew up in a very similar situation around a lot of white people and thinking, oh, okay, well, no one's ever going to be interested in me because I just, I'm not that person. Like I got to be a white girl in order to make that happen. And I don't want to be a white girl. So I'm going to just be me and be alone. And that's fine. I think that women are also socialized to like accept the fact that we're never going to be satisfied. And we are socialized to accept that we're never going to have our needs met. And it's actually, like, when I really think about it and I say it out loud, it's sad because for all of the statistics and the truth that's out there about how little Black people have wealth-wise in this country, it feels more attainable to meet somebody who can support you financially than somebody who can support you and give you what you want emotionally. Mm. And that's scary now that I'm actually saying that out loud. But it's passed down. Yeah. It's older than we are. It's yes. it's older than our parents are. Have you heard somebody say, um, as a woman, I have been told your partner needs to love you more than you love him. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're always going to be vulnerable. You're going to do things you're going to regret. You're going to overextend mm-hmm. yourself. You're going to ruin your credit. For sure. There's just the expectation that heterosexual romance partnership is going to put women in uh, a place that their 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 lives are going to be ruined. Basically, I, <laughs> you know, when you get to this point of the conversation, I'm always like wondering how to just like a bit of how to advance it because I think like I don't I, I don't I actually don't think that you are wrong. I think that like in terms of like how women are socialized, are are socialized in terms of like needing to, feeling an intrinsic need to kind of look out for yourself because of, uh, yeah, how you and probably, you know, your sisters or mom and her sister, you know, just like the legacy of kind of mistreatment that has existed, I think, over so much time. The thing that I sometimes struggle with is like, I, I don't know how to, there's not a framework for navigating that in the beginning. Like na- navigating the the amount of distrust that functionally exists between like men and women today. It was extremely distressing. Like how often I would actually go on dates with women who I felt like could be a good match for me potentially, but like have been so mistreated by variety of people or just exposure to that has been so significant that it's clear that like, oh, this just, this just isn't even possible. And I mentioned vice versa. It's sad and it's kind of like scary. I think that is why you get the like Dale Curry tweet thread where it's like, bruh, you don't, whatever you think <laughs> this is, this shit ain't it. And it's just interesting. I don't know how, because of how like effective you know, the manosphere and, and, you know, more recently, the divine feminine are. Yeah, I just don't know how we break down 
if it's even possible to break down that type of distress. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, I have a lot of empathy. You know, I hate to say it, but I do have empathy for men. I do. (laughs) I think that we... (laughs) I do think that we are, even if I don't think it's equal, I do think that we are all hurting and that we are traumatized and that we are trying to do our best to navigate our desire for partnership, our desire for love and care and affection in spite of our traumas. And that's really, really Mm. hard work. And especially in the beginning, I will say I am more progressive when it comes to gender roles than I think 95% of the people that I, that I know. Um, But I still, even when I'm looking for my partner and when I met him, Last year, I still had some kind of traditional expectations of you need to pay this and I need to know you're invested. Mm. That's that's what my boundaries were. I need to know that you're invested, that you have some skin in the game. But that was because of my trauma. But I will say that like the getting out of the I'm going to get you before you get me cycle. Therapy has helped a lot. I know a lot of (laughs) Mm -hmm. us in the passing of Bell Hooks, we've Mm. returned to a book like All About Love. That is Mm -hmm. so much about learning how to be honest and vulnerable and approaching any relationship with the spirit of mutuality that I want to get things, but I also want to give you things Mm. and in giving you things, I'm actually getting stuff like, like we're, we're helping each other. Like we're, we're, Mm -hmm. it's mutual, right? Nobody's being, yeah, partnership. (laughs) Nobody's being exploited. And I um, don't want to dominate you. I don't want to feel like I have the upper hand because that's not like a, a real love. That's not real like partnership. But that takes a lot of work and you yeah. have to always be on the same page as the person you're trying to embark on that journey with. And it takes a lot of communication. And I just think most of us just aren't ready for mm. that or not willing to commit to it because yeah. it is it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like you said, people are looking for connection and they like want some sort of model mm. that they can follow. But as you mentioned, like the. Like the only way out is work, right? Yeah. Like the only way out of that dynamic is work. And the result of the work is not always a tangible, monetarily exchangeable <laughs> for goods or services, like end product. Um, it reminds me of something that we were kind of talking about earlier in the conversation as far as like, I don't know, people focusing so much on specifically the economics of it all. What are they getting? Like, what's the exchange? Being very transactional. Because ultimately, like, money is a scarce resource, and it's something that we all need. It's something that we all need to participate in society. But it also, like, is so much about what things look like. And you made a point earlier, Eric, about like what something looks like, achieving the right look of something or saying the right thing or, you know, styling yourself in the right way can help you attain something, Mm. but it can't help you. I'm about to sound like a preacher. I can't help you maintain (laughs) something. Okay. Okay. But it's interesting that like attaining something is about, Mm -hmm. is about the look. That's about the look. And that's what the coaching is about. That's what femininity is about. That's what the manosphere is about. It's about seeming like you can get this high value man or seeming like you can get a lot of bitches or whatever it is that they like to say, you know, I still um, get a lot of bitches. But in order to maintain that, once you get these things, quote unquote, get, because like a relationship is not like, um, it's not an accomplishment. It's also not something that you catch like Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's an agreement that you enter into with another adult. Maintenance is a lot more about you 
as two people or however many people, you in your relationship deciding what's best for the two of you. It's about both of you having continuous conversation about how the relationship feels. And like, that is exactly what you were saying to your point, Eric, like about how all this discourse can't actually support the work of a relationship because the work happens between the two of you deciding, does this feel good to you? Does this work for you? Does this feel right for us? And that's a lot trickier than like Kevin Samuels. He can't swim that deep. (laughs) You got some work to do. (laughs) That is, oh man. Any final words of wisdom? Any final thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that this has been a, a pretty nuanced discussion. I always come back to, we just cannot be blaming individuals for stuff that they didn't create. I think a lot of times we get caught up in blaming people for systems and circumstances that they had no hand in. Mm. Mm. And on that note. Kimberly, (laughs) thank Thank you you. so much for joining us. You're welcome back anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Eric Eddings, and Brittany Luce. It's supported by our production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams and social producer Elise Ellis. Marcus Hom is our engineer, and Peter Clowney is head of content. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from our listeners. We love you all so much. Seriously, it feels so good to be back with you. So please connect with us and tell us what you thought of this episode. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at For Colored Nerds and never miss an episode by following us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Cheers to a great day and this ice cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. We can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.